Chris Natter, just talking to teachers. Talking to teachers about academic research and evidence-based practice with continuing professional development at PNA1977 on Twitter. Nimmer's Natter, just talking to teachers. Okay, hello everybody and welcome to this episode of Nailers Natter. Now I'm delighted to welcome Dan Edwards to the podcast. And, and just before we start, I am a huge, huge fan of Dan's and he knows this um, because I am a regular lurker in the background of Saturday Ed Chat. So if you haven't checked out Saturday Ed Chat, we'll not be talking about it later on and we'll give links and everything to the Twitter handles for that uh, that show later on. And also, before we start, can we just applaud Dan for the effort that he's gone to for the video podcast? So those of you that are enjoying it on Spotify, as lots of you have been, will be able to appreciate Dan's sartorial elegance tonight um, and your host's lack of it as usual. So Dan sat there resplendent, full suit, uh, head teacher standards, myself letting the side down from the secondary point of view. Deputy Head sits in, uh, you know, full winter outfit, hat and everything else because he won't turn the heating on. But there we go. I could claim it was ventilation, couldn't I, Dan? But we'll, well maybe come easy, to that Well, easily done in well. this day and age. Absolutely. So a former welcome, Dan. Can you tell listeners a little bit about you and your journey in education to this point, please? Yeah, well, as you've said, my name's Dan Edwards. Um, I'm currently principal of Woodstock Primary Academy. We're a two-form entry primary school in the heart of Leicester City. Um, and I've been there just coming up to four years. Um, previous to that, I was um, uh, an assistant head, deputy head in uh, another primary school for four years. And before that, going right back to the beginning, I actually trained quite late um, on a GTP back in the day in around 2005, 2006. And I trained to be a secondary English and drama teacher. and. Um, yeah, worked in the secondary sector, teaching uh, GCSE drama, A-level theatre studies, and then made the jump somewhere around 2012 to, to primary education. And it was, yeah, the best decision I ever made. Fantastic. So tonight's format, listener, is going to be a little bit different in the sense that we are going to talk about Dan's blog. We are going to talk about Saturday Ed Chat. We're also going to talk about running because, again, not only is he sat there, you know, looking fresh and uh, well-dressed this evening, but I think he's done seven miles running this morning before school. So we will talk about the benefits of exercise, um, the teachers and, and leaders as well. Um, and we'll also talk about kind of the main focus, I suppose, will be around what is going on in schools at the moment and kind of you know, we might get a little bit of our perspectives on what it's like to be um, obviously a teacher and a school leader at the moment from a primary and a secondary point of view. And then, of course, we'll finish off with a discussion about, like I said at the beginning, the hugely popular Saturday Ed chat. So, Dan, if we can start with the blogging. So you've moved into kind of blogging in the last couple of years. Um, what You know, tell us a little bit about your blog, where listeners can find out more about that. And what place do you think that blogging has now in the current educational landscape? Because we've got things like podcasts, we've got videos, we've got yeah. multiple different sources now. So tell us a little bit about why you went into blogging and what you're kind of blogging about. I think the reason I went into blogging was firstly because I think everybody has an opinion. And I think uh, as educators, I think sometimes we're we're quite silent. I think we have been. I think... I think sometimes, depending on the school that you're working, sometimes having a blog can be sometimes seen as a little bit controversial. That you're putting an opinion out there that might be a different, you know, away from the kind of the the kind of the language or messaging from your school. But I think for me, I think it's about just 
being able to articulate what you feel education should be about, about the strategy, about the focus, the future. And it just, it was just an opportunity to just get some, you know, things down on paper and share an opinion. And I think for me, it's been just been so advantageous. It's been able for me to to really connect with with some really great educators on Twitter and other social media. It's allowed me to really consolidate my views uh, as an educator about what I what I think education should be about, or and about what I think you know we should be doing. And I think really you know fundamentally over the last two years, I think all of us have got a lot to say about where we are currently you know in education nationally and internationally and this moment in time i think actually just documenting our thoughts and you know and opinions about this moment um anything that gets written down and shared by head teachers teachers teaching assistants anybody working in education is all will serve as a, a very interesting reflection point on what has been probably the most critical moments of education that we'll remember in a generation really um so yeah, that's really why I got into blogging, and it's just something I found is quite cathartic. At the end of the day, you come down, or if you find some time at the weekend, just to just to get something down on paper, just to clear it out of your head. Um, you know, and anybody working in education, you know, we have a limited amount of headspace, and if we've got something about you know that we want to get out there and share, and hopefully receive kind of a bit of acknowledgement or kind of some kind of synergy with other people, it kind of helps really. Um, and, and my blog is um, Dan Edwards, Dan Edwards Words .wordpress com. It's a link on my Twitter handle. And um, yeah, I've just thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it's just been a nice thing to do and uh, something I feel that gives gives everybody an opportunity to share their voice. Because as I've said, you know, we're in such a strange position in education. I think everybody's opinion is valid and equally, you know, of interest, really. Definitely. And I think that's what drew me to it in the first place, Dan, in terms of, you know, when you're in school and you're leading in school on a daily basis and you're making all those decisions and they change so often, it's nice to kind of read about other people's experiences and then try and take, you know, a bit of comfort in the fact that they're having similar challenges to, to the ones that you're having. But also, you know, there's some advice that maybe you'll take from somebody that's working in something, you know, a similar context to you somewhere else in the country. And that's what I like about Saturday Ed Chat as well. It's a non-judgmental platform for sharing ideas and it's a really yeah. kind of welcoming environment isn't it yeah no it's that was the intention behind it i mean originally we i started off with kate jones um back in march and it was just kind of a flippant idea to sort of say well let's try because twitter spaces was quite new everybody was over the other side of the road on on clubhouse yeah. and then a few of us were allowed to have twitter spaces on our twitter accounts so it's just an idea of playing around with that and it and it and it just grew and it was just this kind of really nice idea that it wasn't about anybody ex, you know sharing their you know ideas and and saying this is the only way it was just really a community to come together to to share an idea of what we might want to talk about and create a space where people can listen and you know and just be quite passive and just take things on board or be quite active in talking and sometimes it is just myself or Claire or Sinead or Kate at the time just talking between each other but it's become a, a, a regular thing and it's what's been quite nice is that actually you see regular people turning up Saturday upon Saturday and you know and, and sharing you know ideas but also just sharing the fact that they feel it useful in their own CPD which is which is what it was all about just a 
a safe space to talk and share and kind of probably digest and reflect upon, you know, a week in education. Yeah, and I mean, I think that, you know, I, mean, I don't know what it's like at your school, but obviously we're in a kind of interim period of, of you know, are you allowed to mix? Are you not allowed to mix, you know, staff-wise? And the comfort and, and the solace that you got in the staff room isn't necessarily there as much now because people are, you know, reticent to, to mix in, in larger groups. I, I find the reason that I was drawn to Saturday Ed Chat was it was kind of a, a virtual staff room with lots and yeah. lots of knowledgeable and supportive people. Yeah, and it, and it's strange because you know automatically we've kind of, I've kind of moved on a little bit. I mean, our staff room isn't back to the kind of the you know the thronging masses that we'd normally have on a Friday morning. You know, sharing thanks to what we've achieved. And and you're right. You know, when we did start it, looking back in March, you know, it was very isolating in schools. You know, we didn't you know we didn't dare mix with other classrooms, or we didn't dare mix with Key Stage One and Key Stage Two. You know, we all came in separate you know, start times, there was a lot of stagger. And, and sadly, that communal space that we, you know, we hopefully in all schools hold dear, the staff room, um, sadly became quite redundant. So yeah, you're right, actually, the the idea of just creating that communal space, which wasn't particularly there in the present and in, in the real time um, during the pandemic. So yeah, long may it continue, I hope. And I just hope people are more happy kind of tuning in and getting involved. Well, they will. And like I said, we'll signpost to it later on because I've kind of jumped my questions a little bit, haven't I, here? So in terms of the blogging, are there any particular blogs that, that you look to? Is there any particular sets of people or are you just, you know, kind of taking it in from lots of different sectors? Because, you know, you strike me as the kind of, of leader and educator who kind of gets across all of these different camps that potentially there are on things like social media. And you just take the best from everywhere, don't you? And kind of I, use I, that uh, as much I, as you can in your school. I think there's lots of um, opinions and, and I think sometimes, you know, we, those of us who have been on Twitter for a while and use social media, it can be kind of polemic at certain points, you know, some, there's that camp or that camp and those people who believe in this. But I think there's so many, so many interesting educators who have been in education and, and, and stepped out on a more of a consultancy level and those people who are still, you know, who are, who are you know, not saying still teachers, but, you know, everybody contributing from various different levels in their in their journey or where they want to be in education. There's so many important voices that, you know, as you kind of dive your way into Twitter and kind of go down these rabbit holes of, of, of blogs and, and people's posts, you know, there's a real range of exciting voices out of there. So I think influence wise, I think just the fact that the, the edu Twitter or Twitter itself exists and you've got so many people sharing ideas, it's inspiration enough, really. Mm. No, definitely. And, you know, I found that recently in terms of, especially the work I did with Teacher Hug Radio and kind of moved into a different spheres of, of influence than maybe I would have had if I had continued. And then we still, you know, essentially look at uh, education research, evidence-based practice, but moving towards other educators kind of led me on from them to other people. And that's been a, a kind of a really thing that we've done, try to diversify the content of the podcast as well. And I think critically as well, I mean, we're, we're in a position where, you know, we're currently rewriting how we, what classrooms look like. We're currently rewriting, you know, the best way of approaching curriculum and how we develop school culture in such a, a varied time that actually no one's really the, an expert or no one's really kind of you know nailed it because it's so you know it's so ever-changing that actually 
it's a it's a brilliant time to really think about diversification of what we do. And like you said before, you know, there's blogs, but there's podcasts, there's you know, podcasts and, and whatever. So there's so many different media out there that's allowing people to share great ideas and practice and resources that it's um, it's possibly one of the most exciting times to work in education, despite obviously the challenges that it's kind of that's that, that's brought it about. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right on that. I mean, again, you know, I'm a, a veteran of sort of, you know, the, the turn of the millennium for, for going into teaching. And, you know, if, you, if anyone watches, and I said this a few times, anyone watches the TV program Teachers, um, which you'd have to go and look up. I think it's on like Channel 4 or something like that. And that was the education system that maybe I came into, which was public lunchtime. Uh, you know, don't even think about staying behind after school. You know, CPD was perhaps, you know, reading your lesson plan before you went in. I think that was as good as it got. Um, obviously I'm generalizing listener. I'm not saying it was that bad, but it's an exciting time to come into education, isn't it? Because mm. people are, you know, genuinely enthused by continuing professional development, by that research and evidence-based movement, by just the proliferation of teachers on social media, sharing all these exciting things. So, you know, I speak to a lot of our new teachers and I tell you what, Dan, when I come out of those conversations with some of our new teachers, I feel like, you know, enthused again. I, I almost feel 21 again. You know, I don't look it, yeah. but I almost feel it sometimes. <laughs> okay, right, let's get into So as we, we I like to timestamp these because people drop into them at different points. And, you know, sometimes we see particular episodes from ages ago being shared for whatever reason. So the timestamp on this one is January the 6th, 2022. And if you've had a New Year's resolution or you've, you know, you've bought Atomic Habits or whatever it is that you've got ready to move into 2022, perhaps exercise has been something that you've kind of put on the top of your um, list of things you're going to do in the new year. So Dan, uh, what am I saying, is very much into the fitness and the exercise side of things. So I know I noticed on Instagram and things, you've got a new bike, haven't you, relatively recently? Uh Obviously, yeah, yeah. You've been out running quite a lot. So tell us a little bit about you know, what What benefits that has for you in terms of your education role as well as your health. And tell us a little bit about, you know, I'm hoping we're going to go into this, the, the power of a fully charged head torch and a playlist um, on a freezing cold Thursday morning. I think for me, um, I mean, my journey of running probably, you know, starts like most really. I got to, uh, dare I say, a particular age where I it had to be, you know, you have to start doing a bit of exercise or, you know, you it's not going to be a great place really. And I was probably getting into, um, I, well, how it started was I took some time out of my secondary. So when I finished secondary school teaching, I, I took about 18 months out of teaching altogether um, and had some time before I started my new role, which was just, I was back in the classroom in a year five classroom really excited and I had the summer to sort of you know to develop you know to to read and to develop work and bits and pieces so I started running and it was the best thing I ever did and it it changed me massively I think most importantly I noticed a huge benefit in my own mental health Uh, I won't you know I think that's really important to mention and it just became that that point in the day um after work where I would just make that time for myself and go for a run and, and and listen to the music that I wanted to listen to to make sure that I could have that space on a daily basis where school didn't matter for a minute anything else didn't matter and I just mattered and I soon realized that actually having that time for myself made me a better 
person in generally, you know, at home and, you know, with friends, but also as work is that, that the fact is that, you know, we all work hard, you know, teachers, you know, we, we're all in that kind of mindset and, and maybe not, even though we've been encouraged, probably not don't work as much as home. You know, we all want to do our best and we all kind of, we're, we're creative beasts and we want to, we do spend that time in the evening and sometimes at our weekend, either reading about education or, or, or preparing schemes of learning or planning. So having that time for me was really, really important. And, and as I moved into headship, one of the things that kind of fell off was was that exercise and that and because it was my first headship and I went into it quite cold I joined uh, my school in February it was very much kind of I was in the moment and I did have to stop for a minute and reflect and think actually I need to get back to something that I need on a regular basis and, that, and that's running and and I'm very lucky to live opposite my neighbor who joins me every morning well probably every kind of three or four mornings a week at half past five um and we go for a run and we chew the fat and just kind of get ourselves ready for the rest of the day and it, it it's just i think you know it's not just running but you know i i, I cycle and I'm, i've just got into road cycling and <clears throat> really enjoying that but i think if you can do anything you know that's just about you for that moment whether it's 10 15 20 minutes half an hour an hour it's just so important because and it is hard to carve that time up, but if you can find it, it's it just becomes sacrosanct in your week that it's actually a part of your own personal development. So I see it very much as, you know, what's what are my responsibilities? Well, my responsibility is to keep as best as possible standing up to make sure I can support and lead my school. So I do need to prioritize myself and, and myself is that time for running and that time for stopping and reflecting and just not doing anything. Um apart from something I really enjoy is actually to my benefit and hopefully then to the benefit of, of my school and, and the team that I'm lucky to have with me. I mean, there's just so many good points there, Dan. And I mean, the one thing that struck me was I spoke to Doug Lamov about writing Teach Like a Champion and I expected to come away with lots and lots of ideas about how to put things in the classroom. And obviously I did come away with that. But one of his sort of later moments of just general conversation around the vinyl suite, he talked about what things he listened to. And he said, oh, I get up every morning at five o'clock uh, because that's the only time that I can get to write. You know, then he does the school run, whatever he does, and he goes to bed at nine o'clock at night. And I just thought, why have I never thought of that? Why have I, you know, I've been trying to kind of shoehorn exercise into, you know, after an SLT meeting in the evening or, you know, following whatever conversations with parents and I'm not in the right frame of mind, not in the right place to go and do that. And I thought, well, why don't I? Now I know that listeners will probably be screaming at us saying, well, you know, what if you've got kids? And I, for the listeners benefit, I have, but not all the time. So yes, I understand that's difficult to do for people, but like you said, for your own mental health, for your own well-being, it's really important to try and carve that time out. And I'm like you now, I've become a sort of five o'clock riser and a nine o'clock go to bed. So, you know, I'm perilously yeah. close to a late night here. Um, I'm, pu- but, I'm but technically it, pushing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but I mean, the other thing, I'm kind of, well, this is it. Yeah, we're getting, <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing, Dan, and about the leadership side of things, you, you're absolutely spot on because it's something that I've found, you know, having previously been in charge of behavior, that my reaction to events is really important in terms of setting the tone for the rest of the team and for the students. 
And if I've had that time in the morning to have, and mine's very much a gentle trot listener, by the way, it's not up to down standard of seven before seven. You know, I'm just trotting around the block. Uh, but, but when I've had that first issue or incident that you come into in the morning, which we all get and happens to all of us, I can feel myself reacting much more, you know, in the way that I would want to react, having that kind mm. of nice, you know, calming effect, hopefully, on other people. And you can see that. And that's important for us, isn't it, in a leadership position to reflect yeah, that I, to our community. I think so. And, and like I say, people may find, might, might find that kind of, you know, that clarity in many different ways. You know, people might want to just spend some time reading or, or, or writing or, or whatever it is that kind of just sort of centres them and, and makes them feel kind of ready to start the day or close the day off. But no, I've definitely noticed the difference of, of just making sure that that time is there. And you're right. I think for me, it's about clarity of thought. It's about that moment in which you are just having that. I, I talk, it's, it's kind of like meditation, really, in some respects of getting out early, going for that run and, and being ready then to start the day and sort of composing yourself and preparing yourself. And strangely, without kind of going into some any kind of horrible ex-drama teacher cliché, it, it is about preparing that role a little bit and just kind of finding your kind of your mark and going from there. Because I know, you know, and I'm sure most people working in schools, the amount of decisions we, we were making prior to the pandemic, to the decision making we're doing now and the kind of the very quick responses to so many kind of new scenarios, as, as well as scenarios that we've dealt with in the last 18 months that are coming back round again, but are now different that thought process and that kind of clarity of thought and that kind of being able to kind of see things through before actually making those decisions, as you've just said, I think is, uh, is really important. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I mean, people will obviously look to you, even though there's an ever changing situation out there. There's obviously guidance here, there and everywhere. We've had the latest one, haven't we this week that's just come through, Mm. but people will look to us and say, right, well, that's okay. But how are we going to respond to that? And you need to be in a place as the head teacher of the school where you can say, look, whatever else is going on outside of thing here, you know, I'm we're trying to hold it together as best we can and reflect that back to your staff. And and I know that's definitely something that you do. And, and you know, a lot of people will take a lot of strength through what you're posting on, you know, social media around this as well. Like I said, the blogs, the posts, even things like that. You don't realize the kind of consequences of you posting something about running. You're thinking that makes other people feel like, well, I can do that as well. It makes me feel better. And then they go into work and hopefully they're the best because I kind of image of themselves, aren't they, when they get into school? Yeah, I hope so. And I, and I think for me, you know, I'm, I'm very, I feel I'm very, very lucky to have a, a really supportive team. And I, and I know that sometimes, you know, we've always kind of used that, sometimes that, that comment or that thing that, you know, leadership is really lonely and can be really lonely. And, it, and, and at certain points it is, it always is, because there's always that point where you are taking the final decision. But I, I've been very lucky over the last two years, especially, um, and, and prior to that, you know, but I'm very lucky over the last two years to have a really supportive team of, of teachers and, and wider support staff and, and premises officers and, and administration staff and pastoral staff who are just phenomenal um, in their reaction and their initial response to things. And actually, you know, I think... I'm just very lucky to come into work every day and, and to know that those people are with me and, and, and dare I say, you know, supporting me and supporting each other as we go, go through it together. So, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. And I think I, you know, it's about being a part of that and making sure that you can equally contribute to that team effort um, 
in the right frame of mind. Definitely. Okay, and I'll echo, not not that anybody will be listening from my school, Dan, because, you know, it's a standing joke that obviously, you know, I do a podcast that no one listens to at your own school because I keep it on the lowdown. I occasionally have the odd student singing the theme tune to me down the corridor, but apart from that, but yes, obviously we have a wonderful team as well. So uh, yeah, absolutely echoing that. Right, let's get into the meat of this now. So obviously every week when you do Saturday Ed Chat, you have different themes, different points you want to discuss. So I thought it would be quite useful for the listener, and I know there'll be a lot of people who will be tuning in because obviously you're on, to talk about what we think are the biggest challenges. And you've alluded to some of them there, haven't you? Things that have changed, then changed back, then changed again. So what do you think from from your point of view as a primary school head teacher, what are the biggest challenges for school leaders as we make our way into 2022? I, th- I think for me, one of the most important things that, um, which is a, a, at the forefront of always of, of my mind, is is fundamentally the the sense of community, um, and through various lockdowns and you know children being isolated and, and that period of where where children were isolating if there were close contacts and all of those things, I think keeping that sense of community as a as a as a school not only um, you know, as a, as a as a body of staff, but also making sure that actually during this time, during the pandemic, um, and what we're currently going through, and no doubt this will continue probably for the next 12, 15 months, maybe next 18 months, that actually that the community revolves around the school and we take that centre space within the, you know, the geography in which we serve. Because I think you know, more and more so as we, as we go into this. And we, we're, we're seeing it, you know, in various different services where there's staff cuts and, and there's, you know, there's all of those kind of things going on. And there's more and more kind of focus on schools being able to provide a wider range of services. And, and rightly or wrongly, you know, that's the situ- situation we find ourselves in. However, I think it's really great to see schools becoming now more of the centre of the community again and actually being a hub for advice and being a hub for support and being a, being able to reach out to communities um, in in many ways that we didn't do before. You know, we've seen lots of great head teachers. You know, during that pan, you know that first lockdown, delivering free school meals and delivering food parcels and taking books out and work out, and that is just it's just breathtaking to see. And you realise that actually schools are kind of repositioning themselves now as probably the bedrock of the community and, and the kind of the, you know, the focal point of of the space that which we serve. So for me, that's always been a, a big challenge and it's about making sure that we can continue to do that. And we don't lose that because we're not working with the pandemic. We keep those relationships strong. We make sure that we offer that support as much as we possibly can and really think about the pastoral offer that we give to children uh, as well as the curriculum and the academic and and, and all of those kind of things, and I, and I think really the the next challenge is to make sure that those new teachers who have, who have joined in such really tricky times maintain in the profession and and keep going and, and don't see this as you know the challenges that we face as something that's going to prevent them from progressing further. And I think for me, retention of staff and making sure that the teaching profession is not only supporting of everybody's mental health and well-being because that's excuse me something which is equally as important it's about making sure that those new teachers that are coming in those early career stage teachers are are fully supported and also encouraged to 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 develop 
and to move forward, even in the sort of the strange constraints that sometimes we're finding to place ourselves within. Yeah, and I mean, I think from secondary point of view, and I'm absolutely agreeing with you about pastoral. So obviously, in terms of, and listeners will know, kind of my background's been sort of that sort of pastoral role. So, you know, head of year into assistant head, looking after a learning house, now into, well, being deputy head for behaviour safeguarding, you know, personal development welfare, that side of things. And, you know, I'm not saying for our school, but for sort of nationally, and probably hopefully the same at primary school, there was a, a focus on, you know, the curriculum side of things and knowledge side of things, which is hugely important. But we kind of felt that there wasn't a role for pastoral because it was almost seen. And I think this this comes out of Wilshaw, unintended consequence of Michael Wilshaw, who's, you know, did a great job when he was in charge of uh, Ofsted. But it was, well, form time as kind of non-learning time. So let's get something shoehorned into there rather than pastoral. And you're right, through the pandemic, we've seen that it's hugely important. The time spent developing, you know, young people in school is not wasted time. It's not lost learning time. It's actually teaching them to be, you know, good people. I know that sounds a horrible cliche, doesn't it, listener? But, you know, the same in primary, you know, the time that teachers get to spend with their year group doing something that is not purely academic. And I'm sure that, you know, you've seen that and, and obviously encouraged that moving forward. Yeah. And I, and I think for me, one of the things that we, we've set about at Woodstock is the fact is that, you know, the school offer starts from the school gates. And it's probably very similar to other schools that actually the pastoral support and the wraparound um, in regards to supporting parents and being there and being a very visible presence day on, day out, out on the playground. And, and all of my staff, I think, you know, we're, we're majority, all of SLT are out and lots of our middle leaders are out and they're quarter, past, quarter to nine, every kind of majority of the teaching staff are all out on the playground. We wear orange high-vis jackets and we look at a bright sight, but I know that every child that comes into our school gets a welcome and they're, you know, not just a hello, but their names are being used. And that's something that we kind of stand for, that we want to make sure that a child is greeted by their name. So when we talk about pastoral, we, we're talking about not only obviously that kind of the safeguarding and, and the behaviour, but that whole thing of what is the journey of, of a child through that school gate from the start of the day. And if we can do all of those bits and make sure all of those transitions and lunch times and break times, the the curriculum and academic success hopefully should look after itself because what we're trying to kind of creating to do is is to just create this atmosphere that you walk into and it's just this sense of home and you're just there and there's no kind of worries or concerns and it's we can deal with things really quickly and deal with concerns as soon as they arise and we try our best so yeah i think for me is it's that community feel that I want people to feel as soon as they walk past our school or walk into our school. And that goes for visitors and for parents as well, that actually they go, cool, I just feel really nice being in that school. Just feel like I don't want to leave. Um, so, yeah, I think for me, that is the, um, that's the kind of, that's the bedrock of it all. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And in, in terms of, I don't know whether you find it at primary because maybe it's slightly different. And, um, you know, for any listener that's shouting at the radio and saying, you know, he didn't know anything about primary, I did spend quite a bit of time in primary in a previous project. So I've got a little bit of a working understanding of, I can even use the right language uh, sometimes. But in terms of secondary, one of the things that we've maybe found a bit of a challenge is, you know, the, the, the instilling of routines. And I did a podcast, uh, you know, at the beginning of the year with um, a couple of guests about the power of routines. Now we had routines that were in place pre-COVID. We had routines that were in place 
early COVID. Then we had routines that were in place mid-COVID. And then it was, well, do you need to do those routines anymore because, you know, the, the guidance has changed? Right, well, we'll go back and then we'll start them again. And the difficulty mm-hmm. we've had, and I'm sure that other people might be the same, is, you know, what routines do you keep? What routines do you leave? And how do you keep resetting uh, the routines yeah. when things change so much. I, I guess kind of the answer we've come to is, well, there's a certain set of routines that we're going to do regardless of what the current scientific guidance is and just get, you know, students used to those. And we've seen, I don't know, it's been like at, at your school in the first few days, we've seen a brilliant response. I mean, our kids have been so happy to be back because I think they'd kind of got into that frame of mind that the narrative before Christmas, they weren't coming back. They might not be coming back in it. And they've been so grateful to be back that it's been an absolutely brilliant couple of days since we've been back. So I don't know, have you have you found things like that? Have routines been difficult to get into and maintain? I think um, I think probably the first, when we first came back to school, um, you know, if I go back to last September, uh, when everybody was back, um, I mean... It, I was very supported by the trust that we're a part of. And I know that, you know, we had, you know, lots of markings and signage and we were able to really make sure that we had a a really rigorous risk assessment. And I'm sure most schools did as well. And and I suppose the routines that were in place were so, you know, I I was very conscious of, you know, I, I want to make sure that we're as safe as possible. And again, that goes for everybody. But there were so many routines, you know, how we used to line up, what we used to do, but there's a blueprint for everything. And what was quite nice is the fact is that I think everything had a routine, everything had a way to do it. So you had this kind of, the, we call them the Woodstock way for going mm. to dinner, the Woodstock yeah. way for how we're going after break and, and all of those things. So where what's been really useful is the fact is we've gone, right, let's just take that away and just take that away. And keep the things that have really worked and the things that the children went, oh, this is brilliant. You know, it's that kind of thing of we had, you know, lots of children, you know, we probably had kind of probably more than enough children out in the playground at break time. And we kind of narrowed that down because we wanted to stick to bubbles and year groups. And actually less children on the playground actually have more opportunities to develop good friendships and to play games well together and to develop those kind of social interactions. Mm. So that was a benefit. Um, in the dining hall, we managed to reduce the numbers into our dining hall, which made meal times more conversational. We had children being able to talk to each other because we didn't want to let another group of children in. So we developed a whole structure around this is how you come in, this is where you eat, this is how we talk to our you know our, our peers on our table and have those conversations. And children now actually come in and the, the conversations that they have on their table and the way that they interact with each other, I don't think we would have had if we hadn't have stripped things right down and really applied kind of a really precise process to it. So, yeah, I think the routines are slowly being pulled away. What's left is this kind of, you know, framework that's still there and actually kind of learned memory of, of, of what, what we want to achieve as a school. So I think really out of the, out of the pandemic, it's allowed us to tighten up on lots of different areas that have made the school a better place to be. Mm. I mean, it's so good to hear that. Oh, and we, we've got um, something similar to your Woodstock way. Um, I never identify our school because uh, they probably don't want to be associated with me, do they, on, uh, on, on, on a podcast. But I did a, a, a set of routines that ended in, in a seven. Let's put it that way. So it was kind of uh, alliteration in the same way that, that yours are. 
Um, but you one can't of the things beat a bit of alliteration. You really can't beat a bit of You really can't. Well, you're talking to the man from Naylor's Natter. I mean, come on, Dan. You there know, we, we go, we, you we, see. Yeah. We're, all, we're all about it. We're all about it here. Um, anyway, back to the routines. And you're absolutely right. We, we've put some in and took some out. So something that we did very early on was, you know, from a teaching and learning point of view, as well as anything else, kind of had a, I don't know if it's kind of a primary model in the sense that we had a longer lesson followed by a break, a lesson and then a lunch, a lesson and then at the end of the day. And what we did in between is lined up because it was easier to bring them in through bubbles. It was easier to bring them into the school without having to mix. So we kind of stuck with that. But, you know, we sat down before Christmas and looked at it and thought, right, if you're a year eight student who's coming to the school, you've never had to show any kind of independence of finding your own way to your classroom because you've been escorted, you know, mm. even some of the United, you've been escorted to lesson for the best part of your entire education in this current, in this 18 month period. And the, honestly, Dan, the joy on their faces this week when we rang a bell or, or more accurately, my siren on the megaphone at the end of break time and everybody was allowed to go in through the doors. And I'll tell you what, credit to them. The little faces, they were so happy to do it and they were in within two minutes, you know, yeah, actually yeah. much, much faster than they'd been from a lineup straight in straight to the rooms and straight up and learning. And teachers have commented on that. So you're right. You know, there's been some good routines, but also, you know, we've been able to pull one or two away whilst keeping the core kind of routines in there. Um, it's a bit like kaplunk. You yeah, just take, it is. is it kaplunk? Yeah. And so you just take it, or Jenga, it's that kind of taking that role oh, and it just crumbles. But no, I think we've all found our balance. And I think, you know, most, most school leaders will be able to kind of go, actually, there's certain things that I wouldn't have thought about, actually, if I hadn't been forced to think about it. And I'll tell you what, sign writers must be making a fortune, Dan. You know, we've made that many different signs for different things. Uh, we've tried to shoehorn the current routines into the same routines that we had previously, just so we didn't have to buy in a whole new set of signs that have gone up around the building <laughs> at thousands of pounds cost. So uh, we've managed that. And just to pick up on your second point about new teachers, because, I mean, that's interesting. And you've discussed it a few times on Saturday Ed Chat, haven't you, about the, the importance of retaining teachers, because we, we're hearing a lot about bringing back you know retired teachers to come into the classroom we've got obviously a lot of teachers who are up from supply agencies coming in and doing great work in schools as well but it's really important that not only do you know we retain the teachers that we've got we develop them into the future leaders that, that you're talking about and you know yeah. we attract the next generation which you know is, is something that you've discussed quite a lot haven't you um on saturday ed chat as well yeah i think it's like i said i think it's really important and i think back to an NQT, well, an RQT that I've got in my school at the moment, who, who joined, um, crikey, I think she first met her school online. Um, mm. So it was just bizarre that obviously that she'd never met her class face to face. She joined and was their teacher just by the power of, of teams. And mm. it was just phenomenal to watch her, her practice develop. And this kind of that kind of sudden understand, awareness that crikey actually when she when we come back into school her experience of being in a classroom with this with these children but also as well prior to probably to her experience this is probably the first time she's actually set foot into a classroom delivering face-to-face -face teaching in a manner in which we're expected to do so but i think what I've seen in, in some of the teachers that I've been looking to have through my school is, and especially the, the early career stage teachers, is this, their flexibility and, and the, the response to technology, I suppose, has been quite quick. And they've you know, been able to, to respond really quickly because it's, it's been something that they've probably dealt with a lot in their training. 
you know, what if they were training during COVID. So I, I think really there's a lot of teachers out there now who are, you know, under that banner of early career stage teachers, but probably won't be for long because actually, you know, they've, they've been able to cut their teeth in a variety of different sort of pedagogy and practice. And there's some real strength, I, I feel, in, in these, you know, the, the teachers that are coming through because, okay, so maybe they might not have had the, the same kind of direct face-to-face practice that maybe, you know, previous years have had, but the versatility of their skill and the transferability of what they've been able to do and what they've had to do during their training years, you know, there's something quite powerful about that and the adaptability of how they've, you know, not only kind of got through their training, but then also set apart, you know, set apart on their path um, in these new, you know, the new two years that they're doing has been, you know, fr- frankly, quite fantastic, really. And I think back to my first years of teaching, you know, it was just, you know, it was just in the classroom and that was it. You know, there was no kind of thought about bubbles, uh, you know, and all of those kind of safety measures that people and teachers are trying to put in place as well as teaching and then trying to make sure that you can respond in a, in a hybrid model and a remote model. So it's, you know, I think all power to the new generation that the teachers are coming through because they're just quite simply quite brilliant uh, mm. for me. No, absolutely. And we need to make and sure that they stay in the profession. Yes. Mm. No, you're absolutely right. And if you think that it bodes well, doesn't it, Dan? If we try and take some positives out of the situation, it bodes well that the experiences that they've had, difficult as they have been, are going to board well in terms of their leadership potential moving forward because they've had to make decisions very, very quickly. They've had to change things at the drop of a hat. They've had to be able to move between different models, different ways of delivering lessons, and they've had to work as part of teams and all of these different things. So you think, well, you know, the future is quite exciting, isn't it? Because you're right. I mean, I remember taking over from a, a science teacher, great as as they were, um, who'd done the same lessons for essentially 20, 30 years, you know, sort of pre-national uh, curriculum. Yeah. They'd had a, a file of lessons that they delivered for 20 years. The school had never changed. The cohort had never changed. They delivered the same lesson, you know, week in, week out for an entire career, came in at eight, left at four, and that was it. And I'm not criticizing it because that was wonderful and it did great for them. But what different times we're in, but the benefits are that it's kind of fostered that, you know, resilience, that adaptability and all of those hopefully transferable skills that this generation of teachers can take into leading schools of the future. Oh, definitely. Without a doubt. Okay, right. So um, in terms of challenges, obviously we've done a couple there. Now, obviously, you know, it's difficult at the moment, isn't it, with staff absence and we're hearing a lot of things there. So, you know, how have you caught with that? And have you got any kind of nuggets that you can share with the listeners um, in terms of, you know, your kind of response to that? Because it's difficult, isn't it, at the moment for everybody? You know, the numbers yeah, of staff that I, I, have to have. Ultimately, I, I feel that from the start of this, you know, from this pandemic, you know, going back to March 2022, I think myself and my my team, um, the, the most important thing for us was we had to remain a team and we had to remain, we had to stick together. We, we, you know, we had to make sure that actually we would get through this together. I didn't know any more than anybody else. I didn't have the experience of this more than anybody else. So for me to feel that, you know, as much as I was, I am the leader of the school, but for me, there is that thing of actually, we learned together quite considerably and quite quickly. And I was open to ideas and we were very collegiate in our kind of response to how we were going to do things. You know, we all, as, as teachers, teaching assistants, support staff, 
we kind of created the model that we wanted to achieve. And, you know, everybody had a really good idea, or let's do this, let's do that. So I think for me, one of the things that that I feel quite proud of and, and very proud of the people that I, I work with and alongside is that the level of teamwork that we've created, that sense of team has been just phenomenal. And I think the way that we've gone about that is the fact is that we can't continue to lead a school in the same manner in which we would have led a school in, in a, you know, I'm going to say normal times, you know. So those those pressures around, you know, the things that we have to do, you know, monitoring evaluation and, and checking and making sure that CPD is there and moving things forward. We had to really, really think about the school doesn't stop moving, you know, strategically, we have to develop, you know, operationally, we have to move forward. But we have to make sure now consciously that we, we change the whole way we do things. Because most importantly, is the fact is that we have, you know, there's 51 human beings in that building. And we need to keep 51 human beings all the way through it. And that's about making sure that we look after their well being, we think about them as individuals. And I suppose in some respects that you know, we don't really have a hierarchical kind of structure. I think we kind of make it very known in our school that actually we are all the same. We just have a very different badge and I just have different responsibilities to everybody else. And my, you know, some of my HLTAs have different responsibilities. We're all in the same position. We all want to drive the school forward. And and for me, that collective response of we all just get on and cover each other and still allow people to to go out to birthday parties or, or weddings or to be there when they need to support their families. Those things shouldn't stop because we've got, you know, we're dealing with staffing. We still need to make sure those things happen if we can, obviously if we can. But for me, it's about really that it was team. It was this sense of teamwork and actually flatten flatten the hierarchy make sure everybody is we're all on the same page we're all a kind of we talk about holding hands and just taking one step together at the same time um and we've managed to get through it and people have just been willing to step up and to just get involved and you know i'll take on a different dinner duty or i'll do this because in turn you you give back what people people give so it's been it's been really nice and touchwood you know we've not been a school that's been immediately affected and, and, I, and I can't say that we won't probably you know like most schools are probably unaware that we might get a period where you know we're in a very different position on on the friday to where we are on the tuesday but mm-hmm. i think for me that we've we've got through the whole period so far with just that unwritten understanding that we're we're just we lean on each other and we're mm-hmm. pretty solid to one another I mean, it's, it's great to hear that, isn't it? And obviously, you know, we try to ignore as much as we can some of the stuff that comes out of the press around, you know, the, the, the teacher bashing that we quite often get um, because it's obviously, you know, not deserved in the slightest bit. And you think about all the public services, you know, and a lot of industry as well. I don't know much about industry, so I'll talk about the public services. But, you know, people are, you know, looking after each other, aren't they? People are working as a team, mm. doing over and above what they would need to do to try and make sure that all these vital services keep running. And I mean, I think about my own experience down of it, you know, I mean, I've had COVID, I've had a 10 days, you know, statutory time off plus a bit of extra. And, you know, I can't thank enough the people that have covered, you know, for me while I've been there and not only just covered, but realized that, 
you can't necessarily work under those conditions and protected me from that, protected me from all the things that, you know, would have come with that kind of period of absence. And hopefully that we've been able to do that for other people. And you're right, you know, you get down to reception some mornings or whatever it is. And, you know, there's somebody, you know, your alternative provision coordinator is in reception, taking the phone calls, but nobody bats an eyelid and nobody goes, what are you doing here? It's just right. Well, that's what needs doing today. So we'll do that. You know, you go to, you know, the, the site supervisors and they've been, you know, absolute heroes. I'm sure they're the same in your school. You know, deliver, they're off around delivering COVID tests. They're doing this, they're doing that, they're doing the other. And it's been yeah. brilliant that everyone steps in. I'll give a shout out to supply teachers as well, Dan. I don't know if you found this, but back to the routines thing. You know, if you've got strong routines in school that you explain to people coming in, they are so good at coming in and adapting very, very quickly to your systems and your way of working. And, you know, some of the teachers that we've had in on cover have been absolutely superb, mm. you know, and they deserve a shout out because it's not an easy job to be a supply teacher. No, the best not of at times. all. No, not at all. But they deserve a lot of credit for what they've done. And, and those retired teachers, you know, going back into classrooms as well, you know, fair play to them for kind of helping out when we, when we need it the most, definitely. Yeah. Okay, right. Uh, I could talk to you all night, Dan, but obviously I'm conscious it's close to your bedtime, so we better get into. I know, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I can hear my Horlicks going off in the microwave <laughs> as we speak. So we better get into Saturday Edge Chat. So we've kind of talked about uh, what it is now, but just tell us a little bit about, you know, what how how listeners get involved, what kind of topics you discuss, you know, where the Twitter page is, the polls that you run about the topics, the guest presenters that you've had on there, and then you know, I suppose a little bit about how people can get involved with that. On a Saturday morning. Yeah, so we, we've started up, I mean, it started back in March. Um, myself and Kate Jones started it back in March. and It was a bit of a, a joint effort. And then it's it's evolved over time. And I'm joined now by Sinead Moxham and Claire Sutton, who are both on, on Twitter. And we, it's, it's just, like I say, it has just evolved by, you know, by over the course of the time, really. So we have set up our, our own kind of Twitter handle, which is at Saturday Ed Chat. And that, you know, we try not to say it's some, we're not creating some kind of merchandise or any kind of brand or anything like that. We just, it's just easier to kind of put everything in one place. Um, and yeah, so on a, on a Wednesday or Thursday, um, we normally put a four, four kind of, uh, four option poll out. Where people can kind of select the, the topic of conversation. And we use Twitter spaces and we, we normally open the door to the space around I know, five to 10, just allow people to come in. And then at 10 o'clock, we have a conversation about that event, you know, some, uh, sorry about that topic. Um, and as I've said before, it's not about anybody, you know, being the expert. It's not about that. It's not about anybody saying that we know best and, you you know, this is about listening to us. This is really about facilitating a space in which people can share and talk and, and sort of deliberate on on the question or the theme of the day, really. Um, so people can join. They can follow Saturday Ed Chat, follow myself or follow any of uh, – follow Claire or Sinead, and we're all tagged in on the at Saturday Ed Chat account. And, yeah, join us 10 o'clock. Um, we try to have, make sure that everybody's included. We want to make sure that everybody speaks, but obviously it doesn't really matter if you don't, because, you know, we'll kind of fill the space with just natter as it were, and have a good conversation about things, but no, it's evolving and, and we'd like to be able to develop it, you know, to the point where we might have a, we were due to have a bit of a, a Saturday Ed Chat social just before Christmas, but with one thing or another, it didn't really pan out, but it'd be nice to do something live um bit of a face-to-face -face thing as things evolve but we will see but we're you know we're very happy just 
chewing the fat on a Saturday morning for half an hour. And it is only half an hour. Um, yeah, and just, just getting together. And it's been nice because actually there's been so many regular people come along, get involved and be a part of that. It, it is really developing to the, in the sort of into the community that we envisage it hopefully would be. I mean, you know, I love it, and I kind of uh, so I try to do park run now. When I'm at my, at my uh, reasonably fittest, Dan, sort of pre-COVID, you know, I might get around in a reasonable time, get in the car in in time, and and obviously join in. At the moment, I'm probably just finished crossing the finishing line by the time I've got to try and get on. But I mean, I just love so much about it, and I, I want to give you some credit, not just because you're on, but I'll tell you what, it's it's a skill to compare and to um, manage a crowd because sometimes you've been getting 70 80 90 people on there haven't you on a saturday morning and yeah. to give everybody the opportunity and everyone have the chance to contribute and it not to be like i said a, a judgmental space i mean i've spoken a few times on there haven't i uh, about various different things and i just love that the regularity of it the people that you've got on there and the discussions you know they're really quite in-depth aren't they and you do go away and i know obviously you know this is something that we hope to do you do go away taking something concrete from those conversations i've taken a lot from the guests that have gone on there and then gone and sort of looked into their backgrounds looked into what kind of work they're doing and maybe you know had a new idea or something to go and read or something to listen to so it's i would couldn't recommend it more i think it's really really it's you know it's, it, it doesn't feel the same if you haven't started with that well and a wigan win as well that's two saturday staples but you obviously know. yeah yeah, but no, I I I, I t- totally agree. I mean, it's been great to see you know see people join from, you know, who are, who are, you know obviously in education in the classroom or like I say working within the the wider sphere of education, and then again it's that 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 beautiful thing of collaboration and networking and being able to start conversations that that hadn't have happened before without kind of just sort of a vehicle to allow that space to happen. And if people come along. Um, and listen and hopefully take something away and then connect with five other people that are going to add benefit to their own kind of personal development or they're just their life in general and just sort of connect and have you know a good relationship with and find some support and solace or whatever I think it, it's done exactly what it wants to do so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased with it and like I say it's 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 just nice that people want to turn up and are kind enough to say thank you and come again really so yeah it's been great Great stuff. Right. Two last questions, if we can, Dan, before the Horlix is uh, on the boil. So obviously you're, uh, we've talked about your running, we've talked about your head torch, but we haven't talked about your playlist. Now, we haven't done a vinyl suite for a couple of weeks. The reason we haven't is I haven't yet invested in my new music license, so I am not at liberty to play any of these records. But have you got any particular recommendations or things that you're listening to on your 7 before 7 at the moment that listeners can go and check out? Oh, crikey. So... I try to put a, a picture of the last song, the first song that I listen to when I come back or the, or the album that I listen to while I go for a run. And it, I try to, I want to build up a catalogue of the kind of the albums that I listen to. So crikey, what have I been listening to on my run? Well, I, I'm a big fan of, um, I'm a big fan, big fan of lots of music, really. So I've been listening to a, a, a band called Portico, Portico Quartet. So they're a bit kind of electronic jazz Um Crikey, so many. Roots Maneuver, big fan of that. Uh, lots of, you know, big fans of um, a new band called Wet Leg. They're great. Uh, crikey, there's, there's just tons of music that I just love. And actually, music plays just a massive part of, um, you know, just a, a part of that unwind and that wind-up, really. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy for anybody to sort of... 
I'll post some, you know, look at the pictures that I've posted on Strava and or, or onto the uh, onto Twitter of the albums that I've listened to. But no, there's there's tons and tons, and I could go on all day about what bands I'm listening to. But yeah, there's there's some brilliant stuff out there. What I've, what am I looking forward to? The new Alt J album. I'm really looking forward to that. That's coming out in March, I think. Um, oh yeah, tons of stuff, tons. But this is great, and this is why we did this in the first place, because um, I probably have told the story on the podcast, and I probably told you the story before, but we have, uh, well, we did have record players in our shared behaviour office. Um, we've recently divorced from each other in the office. Not that we've fallen out at all. We haven't high noon on Twitter. We've got our own offices now. But we both have record players in the office, and it was quite you know, a nice thing to do at the beginning and the end of the day to stick a record on and kind of listen to that. And Cross, the students yeah, that were brilliant. coming in and out of the office, it was just... Well, first of all, what on earth is that thing that's going around? Because I've never seen a record player before. And secondly, you know, you know, who's all these jazz records uh, belonging to? You know, who's Miles Davis, for example? That was the kind of conversation we're having. But we thought, well, we'll try it with uh, with guests. And I'll tell you what, you find out a lot about people by the kind of music they listen to. And I told you the favourite one was was when Doug Lamov came well, maybe on and we told could, me. Maybe we could anybody any guest that came on could supplement with a, a Spotify playlist in the in the program notes. Who knows? Well, they've done it. That's what I mean. They have done it. So Doug did it. And when they put his episode out, we actually put the clips in between. So when he talked about a record that he liked, we kind of interspersed those in. So we've got a few episodes like that with that in there. So when I buy the music license again, Dan, we can maybe splice some of your uh, choices there in alongside what you're talking about. Brilliant. That'd be great. Right. Okay. Just the last little right. bit. So um, obviously if listeners want to find out a little bit more about you, um, can you signpost them to your Twitter handles, obviously Instagram, um, your blog and other things, and we'll put those on the show notes as well. Yep. So you can follow me on Twitter. It's Dan Edwards underscore 77. Um, Instagram, Instagram, Instagram is I'm underscore Dan Edwards. And my blog is Dan Edwards words dot wordpress dot com. And it's just, on the link on my Twitter handle. Uh, and most importantly, please follow my school, which is at Woodstock Acad. We're on Twitter and you can see everything that we do there in regards to our curriculum and just see what we do as a school because it's great to share the, the things that we do as a school to other leaders and teachers. And, you know, we want to celebrate the, the fantastic things that our children achieve, um, you know, on a day-to-day basis. So, yeah, Woodstock Academy. Great stuff. Right. Well, thanks, Dan. Thanks for staying up past your bedtime. Uh, a real pleasure to speak That's to you okay. today. Uh, and especially about all the stuff that we're talking about uh, current in education. I will see you uh, on Saturday, virtually, uh, on Saturday. Fantastic. Yeah, I, prom- I promise I won't speak again. I've taken up a bit of your time now. But thanks very much for tonight. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. No problem at all. Miller's Netter, just talking to teachers. Talking to teachers about academic research and evidence-based practice with continuing professional development at PNA1977 on Twitter. Miller's Netter, just talking to teachers. 